Hello and welcome to Adaptations Awry. I'm Tessa. And I'm Elliot. And this is the podcast where we read a book and then watch the movie and then tear the tear it apart. Or not. What did we read this week, Elliot? We read and watched Neil Gaiman's Coraline. We did, which was my suggestion. It was your suggestion. Poorly. <laughs> I after reading yes. and now watching the movie, yes. I do not understand the hype that has surrounded this book. The book or the movie? Or the movie. I don't oh. understand the hype in general. This is like, this is so hyped up. It's a cult classic. It is. Yeah. And it's yeah. not even that old. No. But it is, it has a huge following. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't I either. do not understand maybe the it's hype. Just, maybe it's us. Is it? I I can't imagine it being us. <laughs> I mean, it got. Well, I was gonna say a, a fact, but never mind. Well, you can say it. It got ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. That's well, what I said. I didn't want to say it. Out of two hundred sixty-seven reviews. Yeah. I don't. It's not a. It's not bad. No. But I don't understand the cult. Like, status. am I gonna go watch it again? I have no interest in watching it. Again. Probably not. I don't need like, to own. It. We re- we rented it. We bought the book. Yeah. But. So before we get started talking about the synopsis and the book and the movie definitely have some very big variations. Yes. Which very is also big. very interesting. Probably one of besides I mean scary stories to tell in the dark but like probably one of the bigger biggest adaptations that we've had that is not close to the book. Out of the ones we've done so far I would agree with that. This the is, ones we've done so far, yes. yes. So to date, which is this is episode five for us. So yeah, right. So I mean, we haven't the, done a ton. The but, exception of the scary stories, which is it's it's different. And I get it. I get why they did yeah. it. They kind of had to do it that way. Well, uh, yeah. Anyway, so anyway, before we start with our synopsis, um, give us some information about the book and the film. Coraline is a dark fantasy children's novella by British author Neil Gaiman. Now, have you read anything else by Neil Gaiman? No. I'm kind of a Neil Gaiman fan. Because he wrote American Gods? Yes. Yeah, because that's what I was reading about Coraline because yeah. I wanted to know where the name, where he, why he got the name Coraline. Did you read how he got the name yes. Coraline? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was from, do you want me to say it? Yeah. <laughs> it was from spelling Caroline wrong. Right. And he has this big thing about like typos or not like. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, he's published in 2002. Coming in at an estimated 39,806 words. Now, I found two... I've been using two websites to tell me my word counts. Yeah. And they have been um, spot on, both of them. Really? Both times, except for this time. Really? Coraline, I saw what I did was I added the two together and divided it by two. Mm -hmm. So this is the middle ground of word count number one and word count number two. Right. So um, 39,000 is probably not accurate. So it's oh. either a little bit more or a little bit less. Okay, so probably. around thirty-nine yeah, thousand, around forty thousand, around forty thousand. Yeah. Um, so don't at us. Yeah, don't at us. The three people that listen to this. <laughs> it was awarded the two thousand three Hugo Award for best novella, the two thousand three Nebula Award for best novella, and the two thousand two Bram Stoker Award for best work for young readers. All right, the Hugo. I don't know if you understand the Hugo Award at all. I do not. The Hugo Award is huge. It's is like it? the sci-fi award of the year. Really? Oh, yes. Anything that has the Hugo Award, I will read. Only because it won the Hugo. 
every really? time. Really? What else Absolutely. has won the Hugo Award? Name every good science fiction book. I, Great. I sorry. Well, I wow. Uh, uh, Dune. Dune. I mean, they all have all. Yeah. If it, I am. Um, do androids dream of electric sheep? I kind of want to read that. It's on our list. Is it a novella? Yeah, I think it's close. Okay. Anyway, but the Hugo Award is huge to me. Yeah. Anything that has a Hugo Award, I will automatically be like, oh, I, I, I'll read that. Yeah. Because I, I'm a big science fiction fan, and so the Hugo Award to me, I've, it's gonna sound weird. Like I'm not, I'm not like, oh, I always follow it, but like anytime I see like the book one, the Hugo, I'm like, oh, yeah. it's a good book. Oh, okay. In my mind. So it was big. Oh, huge, yeah. But it's not really science fictiony; it's fantasy. Well, but it's also not really even fantasy. Not really. It's not really sci-fi. But yeah. uh, anyway, The Guardian ranked Coraline at number eighty-two in the list of one hundred best books of the twenty-first century. So this isn't like a, a for young readers or anything. This is in the twenty-first century. I, still, I, ju- I just don't. We're not going to shit on the book. No, but I do not. I mean, understand I might a little this. bit. <laughs> I don't understand this. I don't understand. Yeah, it. I don't understand its its appeal. Its mass appeal. It's a very mass appeal. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So that's the book. So uh, do you have some information about the movie? Of course I do. The film was released in the U.S. on February 6, 2009, with a runtime of one hour and 40 minutes. So you could watch this quicker than you could read it. Could you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The film had a budget of $60 million, $60 million and made $16.85 million during opening weekend, ranking third at the box office, and by the end of its run had grossed over $124 million worldwide. So huge. Again, yeah. still huge. Yeah. On review of Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of 90% based on 267 reviews. So that's still we just... talked about it. Yeah. It stars Dakota Fanning as Coraline Jones, Terry Hatcher as Mel Jones, Coraline's mother, and the Beldum, or the other mother, and John Hodgman as Charlie Jones, Coraline's father, and the other father. Now, I I knew who they were because I know those people. Right. But they do not sound like them. No. At all. That does not sound like John Hodgman, really. Dakota Fanning does. I mean. Kind of. And Terry Hatcher kind of sounds like Terry Hatcher. Yeah, kind of. But when John Hodgman sings, it is not John Hodgman singing. I don't know if I put this in there yeah. or not. All right, so let's get to our synopsis. And again, as usual, uh, you just interject when um, we have a, a digression. Sure. Coraline, not to be confused with Caroline, along with her parents, has recently moved into a giant house turned into four flats. Now, I don't know how you pictured the flats when you were reading it, but I pictured like, she lived in London, in like in a, a house on a street in London, like a I regular too. house, or like a, a at least a village, like a town, yeah, like a very yeah. like a kind of smaller town. But in the movie, it is in the middle of literally nowhere. Yeah, which also makes very little sense to me. But, yeah, and nobody has a car except for Coraline's parents, which is also kind of weird. right. Living below her are Miss Spink and Miss Forcible, and old actresses, and clearly like an old like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Describe, I don't remember who which one is which. Now, here's another fun fact. And I don't think I added this. The woman who voiced Miss Spink and the woman who voiced Miss Forcible, mm-hmm. originally, their roles were flip-flopped. Oh. 
but during recording, they were like, oh, you would be better as her, and you would be better as her, so they switched them. Oh, okay. But when you look at their appearance in the movie versus their physical appearance, Miss Forcible looks like Miss Spink in real life, and Miss Spink looks like Miss Forcible in real life. So they're okay. because they were originally modeled after. Yeah, yeah. But they flipped them during oh, recording. Oh, that's funny. I didn't yeah, know that. I didn't. Well, I did. Um, but anyway, I don't know if it's Miss Spink or Miss Forcible, but like one of them has the biggest boobs ever. Biggest. And like at one point in the movie, there's only pasties on them. Yeah, and on her badge. Yeah. Boobs and badge only covered by pasties. Her giant, I mean, they're literally, I like, watermelons is not over the top. No. It's like having two giant watermelons on a person. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's so weird and very, like, disturbing in a way to me. Anyway. So living below her, Miss Spink and Miss Forcible, old actresses. Yep. Above her is a crazy old man with a must- mustache whose name is not given in the books. But it is given almost end. right away in the movie. Bobinski. Bobinski. And one empty flat, which is uh, on her level, it seems. Yeah. So there's literally four apartments, one above, one below in the basement, and then two on like the- Either side. Right, yeah. floor, ground yeah. floor. On a rainy day, Coraline is forced to explore the flats as it's raining too hard to go outside. The difference here is it starts, in the movie, it starts with Coraline literally walking out into the Well, in the book, she's, she, uh, she goes outside the first day. Yeah, and comes back in. So well, this is where she meets YB. Yes, who is so, probably one of the. I mean, he's a made up character for the movie. He. This is the biggest digression, and yeah. it plays a very big part. Is YB? Yes, he. Um, he's, and I think this is the reason because I had seen Coraline before many, many like when it first came out. Okay. Um, and I had not read the book then, and so I read the book now and. Now and I thought I was like, "Where's Coraline's brother?" And I couldn't figure out why I thought he had she had a brother. Oh, okay. And it's because YB was in the movie, but not in the book but not all. in the book. And I thought YB was her brother, but it was because I had watched it so long ago. Right. YB was made for the movies so that Coraline had somebody to talk to when she was in the other world. Oh, okay. That is the only reason why YB exists. Okay. Okay. Is because they didn't want Coraline to have like continuous inner monologue. They wanted her to talk to somebody, oh. so they introduced YB. Okay. Because YB in the other world does not talk. And we're getting, again, we're getting far ahead of ourselves. Right. We're still literally in chapter one. Yeah. Sorry. So 13 chapters, by the way. So on a rainy day, Coraline's forced to explore the, fa- explore the flats as it's raining too hard outside. Mm-hmm. While doing so, she discovers a door in, a nice, in the nice room that seemingly leads to nowhere. Her mother tells her it was bricked up when the house was turned into flats. So her mother in the movie comes off as kind of mean. I did not have this day, but the, her parents in the movie are much meaner than her parents in the book. Yeah, her parents in the book come off as distant, but busy. nice. They busy, come off as busy. Busy, busy, but nice. Like they've got a nine-year-old in the summertime and they're trying to work or whatever holiday it is. It's summer. It's, a- it's summer because remember the last day. The other big digression here is YB gives Coraline a doll that looks just like Coraline that was her his grandmother's. Yes. And his grandmother owns the flats, like, down the street. She lives in a house down the street, but owns the flats. Yes. Which is also not even referenced at all in the book. The doll is another huge digression because it plays a really big key part. Mm-hmm. But again, there's no reference well, to the Well, the movie, here. the movie, sorry, the movie starts out with the doll being made by something yes. that you can't see. It's, it's a Beldum, but it's these spindly little fingers making this doll. They're needles. Yeah. Yeah. 
anyway, but they had to, the Beldum had changed the doll from the previous child that child to Coraline. Yes. So in the middle of the night, Coraline wakes up thinking she hears something and finds that the door that leads to nowhere slightly open. Mostly because her mother left it unlocked. Yes. But that's all there is to it. The next day, Coraline goes for a walk where she runs into both sets of neighbors, the old actresses walking their dogs, and the crazy old man who has a message for Coraline, who he calls again Caroline, because everyone calls her Caroline in the the Mm -hmm. real world, um, from his mice. Um, Don't go through the door. Both the man and Coraline are unsure what that really means. Now, in the movie, she had already gone through the door. Right. Because she goes through the door literally that night. Yeah. Which is another big thing. Right. She goes through the door. It's this like, and it's basically like this perfect world for her. Yeah. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Because it, it the same things happen in the book, just not yes. the same time frame. She visits the other world three or four times in the movie, but only twice in the book. Yes. Going back to the flat and still bored, she bugs her parents for something to do. And her father suggests going down to see Miss Spink and Miss Forcible, which she does. Mm-hmm. She, she does a lot. Um, in the movie, she's they're brand, brand new. But in the book, it seems like they've kind of been there for a little while, like a couple of weeks, because she goes and visits them for tea frequently. Yeah. The old actresses offer her some tea, and after drinking it, offer to read the tea leaves, both coming to the conclusion that something bad is coming. To help Coraline, they offer up a rock with a hole in it for protection. So when I pictured the rock, I literally pictured like a rock that you get from a creek or something. And yes. it's got a hole in it. That's how I did too. <laughs> yeah. In the movie, it's like a, it's not a gem. That's it's a triangular right. rock. Yeah. With a hole in it. Right. That's green. It looks, that's green and it looks almost like. A jade, almost. Yeah. A jade like um, Ouija board. Yeah. Planchette. Yes. Planchette. It looks like yeah. That. Good. Yeah. The next day, Coraline has the house to herself and she grabs the keys to go into the nice room that no one is allowed in and puts the key in the door that is bricked up. When she opens it up, she finds that there are no longer any bricks, and she continues to go through it. Going through it, she finds it to be a replica of her flat, complete with mom and dad, more or less. Right. Now, here's a quote. Quote, she almost had it when someone said Coraline. It sounded like her mother. Coraline went into the kitchen where her voice had come from. A woman stood in the kitchen with her back to Coraline. She looked a little like Coraline's mother, only, only her skin was white as paper. Only she was taller and thinner. Only her fingers were too long, and they never stopped. And her dark red fingernails were curved and sharp. Coraline, the woman said, is that you? And then she turned around. Her eyes were big black buttons. So in the movie, she is an exact replica of Coraline's mother, except for the black button eyes. Right. And that's with all of them, except for YB. YB is made to not talk. But he looks exactly like But him. he looks exa- exactly like him. At least him. in the beginning. Yes. Because, again, in the movie does a really good job of slowly morphing her every time she visits. She goes outside into this other world and meets a talking cat who is a bit of a dick. He's not nearly as much of a dick in the movie. No. But in the book, he's like a real fuckboy. Yeah. He's like, I don't have a name. Come yeah. And cats don't have names. But the cat does say it was smart of her to bring protection. And again, Coraline's still unsure what that means. She continues on to Miss Spink and Miss Forcible's flat, it turning out to be a beautiful full-size theater instead of a small basement apartment. And this is the part in the movie where (laughs) it's really weird. Yeah. Coraline takes in the show put on by the misses for a while before getting bored with it and going back to her other flat. So the movie, 
the two the show is like a um burlesque burlesque kind of so it starts out they're mermaids yeah and the one pops out of the mermaid and i remember you were like oh that's weird looking like yeah and, you're like, oh yeah. yeah but then the other one pops out of this clamshell and she's wearing pasties literally that's it that's it the one with giant boobs yes huge yes i mean the, it's grotesque i I do not get offended easily at all. Yeah. But I was like, what the fuck? I well, I was like, they allowed this in a kids' movie? Like Yeah, it's too it's a little too much. It's a little too risky. And we're not at all prudes, like at even close. Now in the book, the show is never ending. It just continues. Yes. Continues. So in the book, she just gets bored of it and leaves mm-hmm. and goes back to the other flat. And when we say the other flat, we mean the alternate world where everything is like perfect, seemingly perfect, right. not the real one. Just like the other mother, the other father. Yeah. Her other parents want her to stay here forever, and all she needs to do for that to become a reality is to p- replace her eyes with buttons, just like everyone else. She decides to leave for her real flat. Her other parents not bothered by that at all, saying that they'll be waiting for her. So in the movie, they put her to bed. Every time. Every time. She and goes she, to bed. And she wakes up in her old flat. Her real flat. Her real flat. Yeah. In the books, she has to crawl back through. She but again, she really through. only goes back one time before realizing there's something really wrong. She waits for her real parents to get home, but they never show up. So she makes some toast. Then she makes a frozen pizza for dinner. Eventually, she brushes her teeth puts on her pajamas, and goes to bed. So the movie was different. Because at this point, she's visited two or three times. Yes. Because the first visit, she's just like, oh, here's my parents, and then I go to bed. The second visit, she visits the Miss Spink. Yeah. And Miss Forcible, and takes in the show, and then goes back. The third time, she visits um, Mr. Bobo, the guy who lives above her, and watches the the mice. With YB. With YB. Right. And so, and then goes to bed. So... It's like back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. Also in the books, I thought Caroline, Cor- Caroline, geez. I thought Caroline was just like a bored nine-year-old. Like in the movie, she comes off as like. A real piece of shit. A brat. Like yes. she calls YB, why were you born? Yeah. She's like a jerk. She is a jerk. Yeah. Like every nine-year-old really is. But... I mean, yeah. But like she, but she comes off as even brattier than, than, you know, normal nine-year-olds. When she wakes up the next morning, she checks her parents' room, and it looks as though no one has slept in it. When she goes to have tea with the missus, she she mentions her parents are missing, but the two old women don't even bat an eye at her and carry on talking as if she hadn't spent the last day living by herself. Right. That's They're all very dismissive of Coraline. Which... In the book. Is how you are of a nine-year-old. True. But but this seems to be a, a thing with every one of our books that we've read they've all all at any time there's a thing brought up everybody all the adults are very dismissive of all the children yeah. <laughs> like, except for our next book it's not like that at all no it's not no anyway after two days of this she wakes up on the second day greeted by the cat she met in the other world who takes her to a mirror where she sees her parents are trapped behind it and they're asking Coraline for help she along with a cat goes through the door once again and into the other world there her other parents are excited there her other parents are excited to greet her at first then slowly becoming weirder and weirder the other mother takes the key as there's only one and locks the door Coraline came in and then swallows the key yeah doesn't happen like that in the book at all right 
No, it does. She swallows oh. the key. No, she swallows it. that. Oh, she does that yeah. in the movie too. Yeah. After Coraline is I like, know. sorry, I it happens at a different time. But yeah. yeah, some of the stuff is taken directly from the book, and then other stuff is like completely different. Or it's just like flip flop. The order yeah. of events aren't necessarily the same. Coraline stays the night. When she wakes up, her other mother has gone out, leaving her with her other father, who won't give her much information, just saying going out and exploring is a waste of time and effort. Coraline does anyway, finding that the house, the plot of land around it, and the people that are in it are all there really is to this place. Yes. It it sort of just becomes nothingness. It's like a small world, yes. like the cat says. Visually, in the movie, is very well done. Yeah. I, it, the movie looks great. I don't have a oh, problem looks, with how the movie looks, looks awesome. at all. Yeah. Coming back inside the flats, Coraline and her mother have a little talk. Coraline saying that she will not love her and she wants her real parents back. The other mother takes Coraline and places her behind a mirror slash in a mirror yeah. to teach her some manners. At this point, the the mother has transformed into... She's slowly transformed. She's slowly transformed. But she really becomes like this tall, thin, spider-like, spider-like thing. thing who's very creepy, uh-huh. like sunken eyes, sunken cheeks. And Coraline is not afraid. <laughs> I mean, I guess a little afraid. I think she, no, she is because the book definitely talks about how she's constantly afraid. Right. She's like, I have to face it. Right. So she's definitely afraid, but she's like, I have to face it because she does that. She's constantly like, I have to go in here. This is brave. She talks about yeah, yeah, yeah. She talks about being scared all the time. So inside the mirror with her are three ghost children who are trapped in the mirror. Mm-hmm. It seems that they were, or are, children who have been forgotten by the Beldum. And this is the first time we hear that word Beldum. Yes. Which describes her. And there's no other reference as to what a Beldum is. There's, no, it's, there's it's really not. very odd. Did you find what a no? Beldum I didn't is? bother looking it up. No. I just assumed the book also does a really bad job of explaining why. The Beldum wants Coraline there. Right. The movie does a better job of giving you some kind of like, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Who really right. knows? But it, like, it's never like, why does she want Coraline? It's never explained. No. It's just like, I need Coraline to live here. It's really weird. I love you. I love you. Like, I need you. Like, is it because she moved in and just, just happened to be? Yeah, I don't know. And another thing that the movie does a little better than the book is one of the three dead children is the... um landlord's sister who went missing went and missing. died or yeah. whatever, presumed dead. So it does tie, like that's YB's great aunt, technically. Yes. The other mother lets Coraline out and gives her breakfast. Now in the movie, YB gets her out. Yes. And they try to escape. or they she, He tries she, to send her back. Yeah. And he does. She does. She goes back, yeah. But YB cannot because YB is made of the stuff of that other world, right. which is just like dust. Yeah, because he 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 put his hand in, and when he pulled yeah, it yeah. back, it, it disappeared yeah. or like dust. Yeah. So in the movie, she escapes, and is that when she realizes her parents are trapped? Yes. Okay, that's I'm so confused. I get so confused. It gets twisted because in yeah. the movie, it's there's a lot of other stuff happening. Right. Because again, if you would, if you follow the book that close, it would be a hour movie. At true, best. true. It would be really boring. Too. It would be quick. So in the book, she gives her, she lets her out. She gives her breakfast, and Coraline proposes a game, learning from the other children that the Beldum likes games, to try and find her real parents and the dead children. If she does, she'll let them all out and leave, 
And if not, she'll stay here and let the Beldum love her forever and she'll let her sew buttons into her eyes. In the movie, the cat tells her that the Beldum likes games. I think it does in the book too. So the other mother agrees to the game, which again, it's not really much of a game. No. Which is also weird. So Coraline begins looking using the rock with a hole in it. She's able to uncover a marble which holds a soul. In the movie, she is in her room and it's like this in her toy chest and like it's all of these very like crazy toys and stuff like that but she finds in the book the marble just kind of rolls away yeah and she happens to see it through the hole in the movie they call them eyes but it's still a single object marble sized right kind of thing it's kind of weird they call them eyes because i was like oh that's a lot of eyes to look for but i think what they mean by eyes is marble eyes Oh, really? Yeah, because there's a lot of British slang in this. Is there? In the book. Yeah, oh, yeah. They're all, I'm, yeah, in the book, not in the movie so much. Well, it's brought into the movie, I think. That's what I... A little bit, yeah. Well, and they, I thought in the movie, I thought they called them eyes at the, at the very beginning when they called them eyes. I thought it was because it was hard to explain to children about souls. Oh. But then they said souls, and I was like, I don't know then. <laughs> So Cor- Coraline begins looking using the rock with a hole in it. She's able to use it to uncover a marble, which holds a soul. She finds another soul in the theater with the misses, which is now abandoned and dilapidated. There's yes. a whole like little thing with the dogs that fly and all kinds of little things. But like that's one whole chapter. She finds two. She she says, let's play a game. Yep. I find two of the three eyes in, the, in one chapter. Yeah. Which is, you're just like, okay, well, I guess this is almost done. Right. It's kind of weird. I was definitely like, oh, I'm almost done with this book. (laughs) Yeah. The other mother tricks Coraline into going into the empty flat, which now houses the other father. And he's become like a clay husk larva hybrid of what he used to be. Right. Because he was telling Coraline too much information. Right. In the movie, he has a a garden. Right. And he is a pumpkin. Turning into a pumpkin. Turning into a pumpkin. Yes. And the the movie garden looks like Coraline. Yeah. It looks exactly like Coraline. Like it's yeah. blue hair, all that stuff. She escapes and heads up to where the crazy old man lives. Who again has no name in the right. book. Just crazy old man. In his flat, she sees a lot of little red eyes, those of rats, and a voice that tells her going back to the real world is going to suck. No one says her name correctly there. It's boring, all this other like junk. Right. She finds a rat with the last marble of a soul and chases after it. She loses the rat and almost giving up until the cat traps the rat. Right. However, now that they're standing outside, the house looks flat and really weird, like a hand drawing. Yeah. And things are not going very well. In the movie, each time she grabs a soul, the world kind of starts to become like flat, black and white. Yes. Which is, again, very well done. It's very cool. Yeah. Oh, it's really cool. And in the movie, the whole scene with the rats upstairs is much cooler than it's described in the book. Yeah. yeah. It's done much better. Yeah. Like, where the guy is, like, literally rats. It's, he's just rats. Yeah. It's really kind of cool. Now, we're on to our last three chapters here. Yes. But still, a lot of crap happens. Yes. Coraline and the cat head back inside the flat, which, upon entering, is still in decent shape. In the movie, it's still in decent shape, but it then slowly starts to deteriorate very quickly. Yes. But in the book, it does not do that. She figures out that her parents, the last thing to find, are in the mantelpiece, as there's nothing actually on the mantel in the real world. And in the movie, they have 
snow globes in the that Coraline placed up there by herself, right? And and they both have them in the in there in the movie, but she remembers the there. It's the Detroit Zoo or something, because they keep talking about how they're from Michigan. Yes, she lies to the other mother and says she thinks that her parents are trapped in the hallway between this world and the real world. Yes, because to- again in the book it's a it's a regular sized door, right? And so you can walk through it. But in the movie, it's like a tiny little quarter of the size of a regular one. You have to crawl yeah. through it. If you've ever been in it, like an old house, there's probably one there. Sure. There's one at your, your grandparents' house. There's There was one at mine. Like, So she asks to see the hallway because it's locked and she can't yeah. look into it. As the other mother opens the hallway door, Coraline throws the cat <laughs> at the other mother, runs to grab the globe on the mantle, and along with the cat runs through the hallway. This happens almost shot for shot from the book. Kind oh, of. I didn't think it did at all. Oh, because she throws the cat. Gets she throws the, the cat. Gets the snow globe. Gets the snow globe. But then like the other mother, like that room turns into a web and Coraline falls oh, yeah. and has to climb up the yeah. web. And yeah. I don't think it happens shot for shot at all. Well, that part, the part where she throws the cat. Yes. the She throws the cat. <laughs> she throws the cat in the book and she throws the cat in the movie. Great. And Nailed she, it. And she grabs Nailed the snow it. globe Nailed off it. of the... Nailed it. Whatever. Nailed got, it. Shut up. Because in the Remember in the book when she's in the basement with the other uh, father, uh-huh. she the other father is blinded, yes. right? And he's trying to find. So that's that part is played in this. Oh yeah, okay. So yeah. it's not a shot for shot. You're completely no, okay. Wrong. I'm completely wrong. Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. It's easy to merge the two because they definitely they use a lot of stuff. All the stuff in the book gets used, but yeah. not in the proper sequence. Yeah. Or with the proper people. It's just like in different places. I love how you were so quick to prove me wrong. But when I proved you wrong earlier, you said it off key and then ra- and then clicked off. I you stopped recording. Just, <laughs> I didn't stop recording that. I recorded the whole thing. Okay. But you said it quietly as you were pouring something else. Okay. So you're not going to keep it. No. I'm kidding. You don't ever listen anyway. So Coraline gets to the nice room and closes the door and locks it. Yes. She needs some help in locking it because she doesn't have the strength against the beldum. So the ghost children come out. Yeah. And I, her parents, too. In it, the, it, yeah. It's very confusing in the book. And she locks it. She then, like, literally falls asleep on the nice couch mm-hmm. um, because she's just, like, exhausted. Right. So that's what happens in the book. It In the movie, she, just she kind wakes, of wakes up, up in her bed. And her parents are coming home. They're like, Coraline. And she goes down. And they're, they have snow melting off of them. Right. And the, the yeah. And the... The snow globe on the mantelpiece is broken. Right. And and she's like, you guys were trapped in there. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's not snowing. And, right. But there's snow melting on there. Because two days have passed. Right. And her parents have not realized that it's They all, don't know. Coraline has. So Coraline wakes up even though two days have passed. It seems as if nothing has happened at all. Her real mom says Coraline was just napping and to get cleaned up for dinner. That night, Coraline puts the three marbles under her pillow and has a dream. In the dream, she's at a picnic with the three children that she rescued, and they're thanking her, but also warning her that she's not quite done with the beldum. Yeah. In the movie, it's literally like 10 seconds long. Yeah. But it's literally like half a chapter. Also, in the book, the one girl is a fairy. The boy is, right? No, it's a girl. Yeah. Yeah, the girl has wings, but in the movie, they all have wings. Right. Yeah. But But in the book, when they're at the picnic, the girl eats like flowers. Yeah. Uh, my assumption was that that one was like the first one and she was so old that she's oh. literally nothing now. Oh. The other two weren't as long ago. 
So mine was that she was very. Oh, okay. See, mine was that she was just so old. Yeah. That now she's literally like not even a memory to anybody. Oh, okay. That's oh, how in my mind sad. I played it played it out where I'm oh. like, oh, no one remembers you at all. Where like maybe someone remembers the other two. Oh. That's I don't know. In my mind, that's why I'm just like, yeah. You know, like they say you have you die twice. Yeah. You die when yeah. you originally die, and then you die when no one remembers you. Right. And no one in the world remembers who you are or anything. She wakes up in the very early morning and hears something. She goes to investigate and sees that it's the other mother's hand searching for the key. Mm-hmm. Now, in the movie, this happens the very first night after being back. Yes. And she literally solves it that night. Yeah. In the book. It's two days. It's like, yeah. Coraline gets the idea to trap the hand in a well, which has not been mef- referenced or mentioned once so far in the book. Not once have they mentioned the no, well. No, they did. Oh, they mentioned the well once in the, the Miss Spink and Miss Forcible. Yeah, mentioned. they're like, Stay up, be careful of the well. That's the only time you hear about right. the well in the book. Yeah, you're right. It's like a very one-off thing. But in the movie, Coraline's looking for it in yeah, the very beginning. and it's mentioned yeah. lots. Anyway, so she gets the idea to trap the hand in the well. So she takes an old tablecloth and some dolls along with a key as bait, which she's been keeping around her neck. Yep. Heads into the woods to the old well. Uh, the hand follows, and she's able to trick the hand into falling into the well. Yeah. So she puts, like, the blanket over the hole, you know, and places the key in the middle of the hole, and the yeah. hand grabs it and falls. It's very Looney Tunes-esque. The, in the movie, she is getting ready to throw the key down the well without worrying about the hand at all. Right. Because she wants to hide the key. Right. And the hand comes out and grabs it and starts dragging her. Because she's wearing it as a necklace and she drags her. Yeah. And then YB shows up and helps. Yes. And they break the beldum. Yeah. With a rock. And then tie the rock in the blanket with the key and throw it down the well. Yes. But in the movie, or excuse me, I was the movie. In the book, they just give the key to the beldum and throw it down the well. Yes. Can't get out. It's so far down. And that's literally the book. The last line. And then at the very end, she goes to school the next day. That was her summer. Yep. Happy summer. It was so weird. It was very weird. How did you feel about the book versus the movie? I thought that the book was very boring up until they went. she finally went to the other world. Permanently. Permanently. And then it was finally like, oh, something happened, and then it was over. Yeah, it, it, the lead up is very long. Yes. It's a very boring lead up of like, oh, I'm bored. I'm like, yeah, me too. Well, I thought this book was written <laughs> around when... <laughs> this sounds stupid. Until they, they mentioned a computer. Oh, okay. And and a car. I thought the book had been written in the 20s because it reminded me so much of like describing the mundane activities that she was doing. Oh, okay. I never thought that at all. Oh, but well. I guess I knew it was, it came, I thought, I knew it came out in 2002. Yeah. So I knew it wasn't. It's really boring until she gets to the other world, like you said. Mm-hmm. But then when she gets there and plays the game, it's over in like a, two chapters yeah it's over very quickly so you're just like oh and then she gets back at the end of chapter 11 she's back yeah and there's two more chapters left i'm like what are we going to do for two more chapters of closure and it's like the dream sequence is is so long yeah, but it's book. not bad i i kind of like the dream sequence in the book it was a bunch of describing food <laughs> yeah but it was i don't know to me it was interesting i i didn't dislike the dream sequence 
in the movie, I disliked it more than I disliked it in the book because the movie, it's just like ten seconds. Ten seconds. You're like, oh, there's You've no picnic and playing. Yeah. In yeah. the the last chapter of like, oh, the hand, it was fine, but like, it was long. It was very dragged out to me. Oh, really? I thought I thought the book dragged towards the end. Yeah. The, those last two chapters you could have combined into one. Oh, I think so too. Just like the first three or four chapters, you could have combined in half. You could have cut those in half. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I think the movie definitely knows that. And so it really added a lot of stuff. Right. It really adds a lot of like this and that. So. Yeah. So do you have some information to share about the movie now that we've ruined it for you all? More than 28 animators worked at a time on rehearsing or shooting scenes, producing 90 to 100 seconds of finished animation each week. Which is crazy to think, but... Yes. But also, this also had... It had the most animators on it of any stop-motion animation. Oh, really? Until Kubo, Kubo and the Two Strings. The on-screen snow was made from super glue and baking soda. Over 130 sets were built across 52 different stages at the studios, spanning 183,000 square feet. The 52 different stages were the most ever deployed for a stop-motion animation feature. Crazy. That's a lot. Oh, yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> so were they puppets or were they, like, figures? Like They're like they- figures. Like how they, they did, um, puppets, like but... how they did Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, it's the same company. Okay, yeah, yeah. no, they're they're like um, nine inch tall figures. Okay, okay. So they're like big GI Joes, or bigger, a little bit bigger than Barbie. Okay. At one hour and forty minutes long, this was the longest stop motion film until Kubo and the Two Strings in two thousand sixteen. Both films were made by, both films were made by Leica. And they're the people who have done Nightmare Before Christmas, okay. James and the Giant Pete, all those, all the so big like stop motion features. Did that... Tim Burton have anything to do with this? No, it's no. the same company, and I think that's it gets kind of dragged into that same line. Okay, because it's similar. Yeah, similar. similar looking. It's very similar. Well, stop motion. They're, yeah, stop motion. There's like my understanding is like they're one of the only companies that do really big stop motion features, besides the company that does the Wallace and Gromit. Right. They're the other like big one. So like by default, they all kind of look similar because right. they use the same process, same style, same type of clay and stuff. Dude, it so, <laughs> it looks just like Nightmare Before Christmas. I mean, it's it amazing looks just looking. Like James and the it's Giant amazing. Peach. I would just the thought of like, boom, stop, boom, stop. Like, <laughs> oh, and this one was different too. Well, you're gonna say here as your next information. Thing. Yeah. The first stop motion animated feature to be shot entirely in 3D. So they had two cameras. Oh, shit. <laughs> and what they did was they placed them really close to each other. Yeah. So they, it's moved just slightly over, and that's how it gives it that 3D feet. Oh, feel. okay, okay. Well, that's how 3D shot in general. But right. this movie also, watching that, knowing that ahead of time, you can it's it plays three, to the 3D aspect so well. Right. With the, the dad's hands coming out, like everything shoots out. Yeah. Everything in the yeah. movie does. The needle. The needle, the the misses during the, why they're dancing and swinging. Yeah. Everything. Okay. The rats. Yeah. Now, everything plays to 3D in this. Now that I. Everything literally okay. plays. Yeah. Why be on his bike at the top of the hill in the corner as he comes down towards you? Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything plays to 3D in this. Initially, the film was going to be a live action and Dakota Fanning was actually going to physically portray Coraline. I didn't know that at all. I 
yeah, until I, no I idea. was reading about that, which I thought was really interesting. This last one was really interesting to me. Mr. Bobinski is wearing the Russian Hero Medal for service at the Chernobyl nuclear disaster on April 26, 1986, which reads on the front, Participant in the Cleanup Campaign. This medal is unique as it is the only medal in the world awarded for, t- for participation in a nuclear cleanup. That might explain his skin complexion and odd behavior. So we don't mention this, but Mr. Bobinski has blue skin? Yes. In the real world and in the other world. Yes. And that's like, oh, maybe it's because he, like. He was in some nuclear stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it said participation. The only one rewarded for participation. I was thinking about millennials. <laughs> Which we are, by the way. <laughs> so there are lots of other mediums for Coraline. Yes. Which, I didn't realize there were this many. Which none of us, which neither of us understand because we don't get the book or the I movie. I just don't get, it's just, I don't understand the appeal of this. A comic book adaptation was published in 2008. Which is huge. It's a very, that is, it? is very well liked. Huh. Yes. I didn't know about that. I almost was like, oh, we should do, do the comic book too. Yeah. So I actually thought, to be completely honest, I actually thought it was a comic book first. Oh. Okay. But it wasn't, wasn't no. but I thought it was. So I thought the movie was based off the comic book. Oh, okay. An opera made its world premiere at the Barbican Center in London on 27th March. 2018 so yeah it's an opera a theatrical adaptation premiered in on may 6 2009 so it's a play too I, it's like every medium it is i i don't it's not bad it's just i i, I it, can't imagine that the other mediums like the opera and the the play how different they have to be right from the we source have to material. add songs to operas unless you're just singing i don't there's know there's some songs in this but not a lot, and they're just kind of like little short, little yeah, one-offs. that are weird. All right, so at the end of each episode, we keep one of these and we get rid of one of these. Keeping the movie. Oh, I'm keeping the movie too. Yeah, the movie just looks really cool. It the art is beautiful. Yeah, it's very like I love the aesthetic of like the characters. I the sounds great. I mean, everything sa- about it's good. yeah. The story I think is just yeah. odd. The story to me is just. This is a great, like, oh, look at, like, what they did. Right. Not so much, like, look at this great story. It's a great medium to tell a story in. It is. The story itself is just kind of so-so. Yes. It's like a C story to me. Me too. I don't don't know if kids would like it. So maybe that's, maybe because this is a kid's book, we're, like, just too old to be like, oh, yeah, this is really entertaining to me. I don't know. My friend Megan loves it. Yeah, but your friend Megan likes a lot of weird shit. Yeah, true. And I'm just like, really? I don't know. I don't get it. I don't either. I I like the aesthetic of the movie. Yeah. I did not like the book. It took, this is the longest it has taken me to read a book this that we've had. This took It's taken me forever. And it was because I was so bored. I would just be like, ugh. Because even the boxcar children, I had- Was boring. Was boring. But- it was fun to read because you're just like, what dumbass so shit. Stupid thing. <laughs> and Nancy Drew's the same way, except I think it's it's a pretty it's <laughs> So what are we reading next week, Tessa? Oh, we're reading Nancy Drew. And the Hidden Staircase. And the Hidden Staircase. Which is book two. Right. Because book one does not have an adaptation. But that's fine. You we all know who Nancy Drew is. We do. If you don't, she's a beautiful or excuse me, she's attractive. an attractive blonde. As the book says. But she is our oldest protagonist so far. Yeah, she can drive. 
She's 18. Oh, is she 18? Yeah. It's, oh. It literally had said, the 18-year-old sleuth. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that yet. Like, I guess I missed that. Yeah. Because she has a friend who's getting in, who's three years older than her. Yeah. Who's getting engaged. Who's getting engaged. She's like did engaged to part? be engaged. No. Did you no, get to that part yet? Yeah, I'm not part yet. Okay. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, we met once. Yeah. I have to keep We've been corresponding. Where can you find us, Elliot? Uh, we are on Twitter at Adaptations Awry. You can email us at adaptationawry at gmail.com. No S. You can find us on Instagram at Adaptations Awry. All right. Any other closing thoughts? Um, watch the movie, Coraline. Don't read the book. There you go. And we still don't have a sign off. Nope. See you next time. Bye. Bye.